0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how are you doing today, bud?
2: <laughs> good. Rejuvenated and ready to go. Okay. Well,
0: I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I wouldn't say rejuvenated, but, uh, you know, I'm, uh, exhausted, but ready to go.
2: Yeah, I, I was being facetious. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. anyway... Okay, I thought, I didn't know if you were on like a new schedule and you got like, you now your days are nights. No, no not so much that, it was more a comment on the, the moment in history and everything, but yeah. Yes, it is, <laughs>
0: cool. it is, but this is why people listen to this podcast, to escape from ever- true. reality. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, apart from, you know, obvious terrible news, uh, how's everything
2: else treating you, bud? Yeah, I don't know, same old. Yeah. Um I'm more. I'm more interested in your. You, you had a very interesting weekend, so. Yeah, I did have a pretty cool weekend. I feel like that's probably what we should get to because I didn't really do too much as per usual.
0: Sure, I did the first. Yeah, like I went down to Texas, Austin, Texas, and went to Sound on Sound Festival. Uh, it's the people that used to do, fun, fun, fun music festival, which is by far my favorite curated festival in the world. Like there's other festivals I love, like Primavera Sound and then like, you know, other festivals I think are really well curated. But nothing speaks to my interests in music more than this festival. Oh, it's nice. Well like it's like, you know, Descendants and you know, Black Flag and and uh, Youth of the Day and Run the Jewels and, you know, Young Thug and yeah, like our explosions of the sky, like a really kind of range of of sounds and artists, but all kind of like in my little wheelhouse of stuff that I wouldn't mind checking out.
2: Yeah, totally. I, I, I like I see the lineup for things like that, and I'm always. I don't really do that many festivals like that. I mean, I think you have the luxury that often either playing them or yeah, you know, th- having that sort of go down. So you you are say it, Chris. I'm experience- spoiled. Say it, buddy. What's that? I'm spoiled. (laughs) Well, you're spoiled in the sense like you're spoiled like all my other musician career musician friends in that um, you're always placed in a very convenient spot to be catching stuff like this. Whereas um, it would be difficult for me to get down there and travel easily at this moment in my life. But um, but yeah, the lineup looked cool. I'm curious how that uh, your day went. Like what? uh, How did that go? Was that was your first ever live podcast? First ever. Yeah, like, I
0: haven't done one of these before. I've done, like, other live stuff before, you know, and and certainly done live conversations. But as far as, like, a live turn to a punk, this was the first. And I got to say right off the top, Chris, you were missed. You were missed. I <laughs> talked to some people about you and stuff like that, so you were missed. Um, but, you know, Dave Ackerman, friend of the show, uh, loyal contributor to this said very podcast. Uh, yeah jumped up and filled your shoes as best he could, and we had an amazing time. It really turned out great. Uh, I'm really happy about it. I think it bodes very well for this upcoming Turnout a Punk tour. I think nice. We've got a good format that kind of works and had some great guests. I had Dave from Culture Abuse and MVP and Chris Slorak from uh, Mets. So, yeah, it was like, uh, you know, uh, something old. Chris Slorak, and one of my old oldest friends, someone I share a practice space with something new, Dave from culture abuse Has never been on the show before. And then something professional wrestling, MVP. <laughs> yeah,
2: I saw the uh, someone I think it was either on the turnout of punk main site or your own, but you took a photo with the all of you. I couldn't I yeah think,
0: yeah, that was good, yeah, backstage after after uh, we had all finished kind of the the conversation. yeah, it went it went great. It was like super fun. and then, you know that we got to watch MVP. We sorry MVP and I and and Dave all watched uh, Youth of the Day's '88 lineup. Play, nice, which was fantastic. They, first time ever seeing them. So, yeah, good time. And, and I think you know, thank you to everyone that came out. Thank you to everyone that uh, you know enjoyed it. I did forget to sell my shirts that I had made. Uh, <laughs> so I do have shirts that I'm going to sell. I guess through this podcast, I'll figure that out soon. Um, shirts turned out awesome. Thank you to Night cool. Printing for the, doing those shirts for me. Uh, and yeah, that was uh, that was it, buddy. I think hopefully we figure this out for December because yeah, this road show—it's
2: a roll. It's not—it's uh, not going to be without uh, me. Whatever trying to sort whatever out. Like I, I certainly am interested. It's just a matter of figuring if out. it pan out. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: But it, when are those tour dates again? It's December. So the first one here, that's a good segue, the Punk live tour is uh, December 12th is the first, which is a Monday. It's at Great Scott in Allston, Massachusetts, which you basically are saying is in the Boston area, I believe. Yes, yes. And December 13th, the Tuesday, of course, Black Cat in Washington, D.C., Uh, the 14th at Johnny Brenda's in Philly, Uh, and the 15th, pardon me, at Rough Trade in Brooklyn, New York.
0: All right, and so we're going to have some guest announcements for those things shortly. Uh, I'm going to have some good guests. It's kind of all shaping up already.
2: I'm very excited because uh, if this all pans out, this will be the first time I ever go to D.C. Whoa. Yeah, and that's the only major U.S. city I have left. I've yeah. knocked them all off. We were in Baltimore on that uh, infamous uh, road trip with when you were in Fucked Up. Yeah, I'd been there before, but and we were in Arlington, but I've never been to DC, like Washington DC proper. Wow. Okay. Well, this will be a fun. Yeah. but we gotta get, we gotta fix that, buddy, so you can come. Hey, man, it's it's I'm I'm trying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we had a it 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 was a great time. So once again, I think these are going to be some really fun shows. And I was surprised, you know, the thing I was most surprised at, Chris, it What's didn't that? get boring. <laughs> I was very worried. It going to get really fucking boring, but I don't think it ever got boring um,
2: well, I think you know I, I don't uh yeah, I think because we're all our own worst critics, so to speak, I wasn't concerned about that from from a perspective of looking at it from an outside you know view, but um I get why you're saying that, but no, I don't think you have to worry about that at all. Well, um, I appreciate I that, want... but and, and, and <laughs> everyone else, don't worry,
0: even if you do think it, you were worried it was going to get boring too. Can get boring.
2: The um, I forgot to mention too. You got. I, I'm assuming these shows aren't quite sold out yet or whatever, but so you they could still buy tickets as well, right? Yeah, buy tickets
0: definitely. You know, like they're. Yeah, I think you're gonna. You know, buy tickets in advance because I these are smaller rooms, so you know, you want to get them while you can. Uh, and but yeah, come on out. We'll have a fun time. I think you're gonna yeah. be pretty stoked about the guests, and I think you know what was reflected this weekend. Hopefully, will be reflective of all these dates that I want to get ghost uh, guests,
2: ghosts. <laughs> From
0: all different uh, kind of parts of this great, great thing that we all call punk rock.
2: Yeah, and you can get them at com, and there's a tab for Tour Turned Out a Punk Live at the top of the page, and they're all available right there to get. And uh, yeah, anyway.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris, for uh,
2: doing that plug so effectively.
0: And, and I'm trying. <laughs> speaking of plugs, how do they get in touch with us here?
2: <laughs> yeah i suppose we should probably mention that uh turn out of punk footnotes at gmail.com and uh, we have a pretty regular mailbag around here so uh if you're a first-time listener i'm sure you will be uh you know exposed to what we get but if not uh yeah thoughts on any of the guests or anything like that nerdy stuff uh specifically is always the most welcome
0: Yeah, have records too if you want to send us free records you can do that as well <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: yes, exactly. Um, I Any mean, test presses, yeah, all that rare,
0: please. rare KBDs uh, <laughs> type thing. Uh, yeah. So, and also, I think we have to plug something else. After yes. mentioned friend of the show, David Up, uh, legend uh, as far as vocalists go, legendary vocalist of both Splitting Headache and, of course, Tear It Up, perennial yes. favorite around these parts, and he's got a new band that has a record, right Chris?
2: Yeah, he was on the show of course If, if as listeners know, he was on the 100 uh, footnote but he also, like Damien mentioned, he was live recently, uh, but he had failed to plug his own band <laughs> the numerous appearances he's been on the show so uh, I wanted to do it It's uh, his band is called Obedience they have a new record, a 7-inch coming out on Fair Warning Records uh, but you can hear them at obedience.bandcamp.com and uh, yeah, check them out Dave's a good guy. Oh, great guy. And,
0: and he will be coming back because I think I'm going to figure a way to air this live one. That nice. We, yeah. And then I think we'll come back, hopefully, for the footnotes. And then, you know, we'll be able to give some insight into the goings on that day.
2: And I think yeah. be, lots for you to dive into, too, Chris. Hey, man. I'm, I'm, I'm interested just to hear how it went because I'm, I'm curious. Like, I'm curious to, if you can hear the. the the audience noise or what have you or anything like that well, uh, cheer, I'm, I'm more girl worried
0: girl. about hearing us over the roar of the audience <laughs> yeah. it's just too loud they
2: kept chanting the whole time
1: <laughs> like how funny
2: would that have been if it would have been that fervent a uh, a reception well I, we had a great turnout
0: like I'm not you know poo-pooing our turnout at all we had a fantastic turnout you know but then afterwards the air sex championships of Austin <laughs> took place <laughs>
1: And that yeah. was a
2: real turnout, buddy. <laughs> I feel like uh, what you just described sounds like the uh, most bands' weird tour experiences of like playing a strange show for yeah. something and, and opening for something like that.
0: Well, I get there and there's people miming songs with puppets, <laughs> and then next <laughs> it was this blog podcast where they're interviewing because it was a Renaissance fair, right? So there's like a lot okay. of people walking around dressed up. So they're interviewing wow. uh the archer dressed as Robin Hood and one of the uh maidens <laughs> okay for like what seemed like an ex- a very long podcast and yeah. then i went on and then it was the airsex championships and then i believe it was Tim <laughs> Heidecker
2: oh after that yeah wow that's a strange transition amongst all of that stuff
0: yeah it was a weird day chris hey happens yeah uh but uh you know i'm i'm glad i got to do it and thank you San on sound for having me down there i had a really good time got to see like a lot of friends of the show a lot of past guests Um, Nice And uh, yeah, a lot of future guests too I met some people that have expressed a lot of interest in coming on And yeah, it was good, it was a fun time Cool Uh, And also, highlight I got to introduce Walter Schreifels To MVP (laughs) Nice How
2: did that that happen? So Walter was aware of MVP or you had filled him in? I I
0: filled him in because Walter plays in Vanishing Life with Zach And so I was like Anyone that kind of knew Zach Blair because he's like kind of a he's like a hometown guy too in Austin, so a lot of people yeah. know him. I was telling him this crazy story if they hadn't heard the episode, and a lot of people had heard of the episode, which I was also stoked about. But the people that hadn't, uh, Walter included, I, I I summarized it for him as best I could. And nice. He's like, I got to meet this guy. Like, oh my god, that's incredible! Like, what a story, you know? And so the yeah. next day, I Walter was watching someone play. And I went over, and, and I was, like, with MVP, and I'm like, oh, shit. So I run over to Walter. I'm like, can I bring you over here and introduce you to MVP now? And he's like, yeah, let's go. So I brought him over there and just introduced him, and they started talking. And it went, you know, it was just, you know, they, they hit it off type thing. And then uh, MVP's like, I'm really excited to see you today. And he's like, oh, you know who we are? And he's like, dude, I'm a huge fan. And it's like,
2: oh, yeah, because MVP is the legit hardcore kid. That's right. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard not to know at least one of Walter's groups.
0: Uh, I would say it's kind of hard unless you're one of the majority of the population that's not involved at
2: all in our music scene. <laughs> sure, yes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, if you are, like. Yeah, no, you're I'm going to you you throw a stone and hit one Trifles group. I know, but
0: if, you're, if I was going to throw a stone at, say, the Dufferin subway station near my house, uh, <laughs> I
2: would probably not hit someone that liked
0: <laughs> a band that Walter Trifles was in.
2: I'm arguing that. I think you throw a stone at one in 100, you're either hitting a quicksand or rival schools fan at a minimum.
0: Okay, turn out a punk uh, footnotes experiment. Uh, You and (laughs) me each stand stand on a street corner at Dufferin and Bloor and ask 100 (laughs) people walking by what their favorite Walter Schreifels project is.
2: And if If one person, make sure you film it. Yeah, please film it.
0: If one person out of that 100. Uh, gives us a good answer, or a reasonable answer, or a truthful answer, or a real answer, I should say, uh, I will um, smoke all the marijuana you want.
2: <laughs> nice. That's all a right, okay, where, good. Are we, where are we it. with this? Uh, where we've, we've gone off track already. We what already are we doing have. Here?
0: <laughs> Okay, let's jump back in. Uh, so yeah, pick up Dave's record if you uh, if you can. Um, it's coming on Fair Warning Records. Yep. And then I guess we're going to dive in the mailbag.
2: Yeah, man, for sure. You want me to start it off, or you want to start it? Uh, I'll start it. Uh, who's this one from? Who's so the first one is from our Norwegian correspondent, as is Weekly. Oh. We shouldn't even say this is real mailbag. This is more like columns. these people have yeah, they have columns with us, let's these are, say. These
0: are the weekly columns. Yeah, and we're going to do once again an abridged mailbag because both Chris and I have discussed it off air and realized that today being the footnotes for the Jonah Falco episode, my God, are we both going to have a lot to talk about. Yeah, totally. Um, it's someone we both know incredibly well. So we will get we will keep it a keep it a shorter mailbag so we can get to more time of jonah Jonahing. Yes. Um, but let's start off with Kel's weekly column this week uh, from the uh, uh, the many things that he sends in. We've decided to kind of talk about uh, Duncan, of course, from the band Snuff. And Duncan is the drummer of the Toy Dolls, now outside of Snuff and his solo career. Uh, Schwarzenegger is Ben from Scratcher and Acid, Acid and Hardskin. Yeah, that is Ben. He says, I believe, but it is definitely Ben from Hardskin as well. And uh, Steve Ignorant. They played here in, in Trondheim. Steve Ignorant was also later made a tune with local heroes. Israelvis, Israelvis? Israel Elvis. Israel Elvis? Elvis?
2: Yeah, I'm not Something sure how to else? pronounce that either. But he says it's formerly Anger Watt, so yeah. uh, that group. With uh, Ketja from Life But How You Live It
0: on backing vocals, Israelvis and Ketja morphed into Castro. And then there's uh, more to go to, but we'll leave it at that now. Also, Kelson in a great list of 10 inches, but we're saving that 10-inch list for another day. Right, Chris?
2: Yeah, we have a few people who have sort of submitted stuff. So his is pretty thorough. Um, so we're going to go into all that another week with uh, some others.
0: But I guess but, we'll uh, take
2: that point first. So, uh, well, I guess first of all,
0: are you, you're a Stuff fan. We've talked about this before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Duncan, uh, I've only ever seen them play once, but one of my favorite drummers to watch because he sings
2: and drums. I don't, yeah, like I don't, uh, I've never seen... I'm trying to think the closest group to any of these I think of all I've seen live is only hard skin, so I don't know the real connections there. I don't even know if I've seen live footage of Snuff ever uh, there, think. did you ever see that Fat
0: video because there was a live like it was like a concert video that was in the Fat Records peep show VHS yeah theater, like back
2: in the day I, I know of that but I, I can't I've probably seen it honestly but I cannot remember for the life of me so Snuff is a group I like um, but I don't don't have any vivid memory of seeing anything related to them live, unfortunately. But yeah, cool group. I think
0: they. But played, I like. Go on. Sorry, what's up? No, I was going to say I think they played in Toronto back in the nineties, like the I'm sorry, early nineties, mid nineties, and then did play here one more time in the late nineties with Less Than Jake at the Opera House.
2: Huh. I would um, not have expected that combo. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and I believe it was actually the night that the uh, drummer of uh, Lush. Uh, passed away, and so they played the show and then all flew back to England the next day. And wow. that, that drummer was also the original drummer of Hardskin.
2: That's right. I remember hearing that about that connection. Okay. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So the, uh, they played I the show. D- I just like the back. idea of like uh, people sending in stuff regarding sort of uh, like obscurity from bands that are lesser known. So that's why I figured we should go over this for people that are big on any of those groups related to that. And do
0: you know Ben from Hardskin? Have you ever, you ever hung out with that dude?
2: I've never hung out with him, but yeah, like I've seen them a number of times and you seem to know. Like I know I, I know people that seem to know them, so I'm always in the vicinity, but yeah, no, not personally. Uh, an amazing, uh, amazing person.
0: Cool. I love hanging out with him, but definitely a, a, a very funny, a funny guy and like a real kind of like, I don't know, fun person to tour with. Definitely has a cool. lot of stories, and and is toured with like a who's who of indie rock heroes. You know, meaning I mean, which which indie rock he's heroes? He's worked with the Kills. He's worked with uh, um, uh, Joanna Newsom. Worked with you know like tons. Smog, I think at some point.
2: Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's not what I would have expected where you're gonna go with that, but cool. No,
0: and also, well, I guess that's like he's known Jamie from the Kills forever because Jamie from the Kills. Uh, used to be in Scarfo and is p- kind of part of that same sort of scene.
2: Oh, cool. Prior to the kills. That's the, where does the Joanna Newsome connection come from?
0: I don't know,
2: to be honest. Yeah, that's wild.
0: I think it's just like him working with these artists and like, you know, him becoming, you know, well-respected as like a TM. Uh, and, yeah, cool. And yeah, he's, he. Well, I remember we toured with him coming off of our tour with the Arcade Fire in Europe. Which I know is going to seem ridiculous because there was a chef on that tour preparing our meals, <laughs> but it was the most grueling tour I've ever been on in my life. Really? Uh, yeah, it was just, it was nuts. The tour was just like, we, it was routed for a bus and we were in a van.
2: Ah, uh, like, yeah.
0: You know, I've never done the Warp Tour, but that's what I've been told it's like. We also yep. tried to do, uh, we were trying to do our own shows on off days in like other countries. So it'd be like, <laughs> Giant drives every single day in the wrong direction um, to try and play <laughs> another show when they weren't playing shows.
2: Yeah, I get what you mean now. Just logistically, it was a yeah. uh, difficult tour. Yeah.
0: And also our van had a vent that wouldn't close, So and it was the coldest fucking winter. So it was, <laughs> it was definitely freezing. So anyway, we get to England, and Ben shows up. Oh, my God. So for that that guy, forever I have a soft spot. Like, I loved him before, you know, because we had done splits with hard skin, but I feel really like he rescued me on that tour in a profound <laughs> cool. way. And then he, nice. Uh, oh, I, I can't tell that next story. But anyway, let's go on. <laughs>
2: okay uh the next message uh you or you did the first one so yes we have a link to he sent in we, we have another link uh i don't know if we want we're going to put it up or we should talk about it, but the neurosis anarcho-punk thing yeah let's that talk was also about it, the, that, that is yeah. of
0: this time right like that, i think this article just came out yeah ahead of their so it's from, show neurosis is playing a huge show in london right now uh with i believe some of these bands
2: yeah, it was uh, this was dated the third, so it's uh, whatever a week oldish. But uh, it basically talks about neurosis uh, being influenced by anarcho-punk. It claims, and it goes through um, some of the like the the more known like rudimentary, peni crass, that kind of thing. But uh, we'll throw up the article on on the Facebook or whatever. But I don't mm-hmm. know. Was there anything specific you wanted to touch on about it?
0: Well, I just think there. I've heard some people say Discharge isn't a isn't an Anarcho band. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Um, which uh, I don't know. Like, what do you think about that? I th- uh,
2: I don't know. It's, I don't. I'm not like the. Uh, I don't know. This isn't my deepest area of knowledge. I like all these groups, but I don't. I don't know a lot of the uh, inner workings. Uh, like, would you lump Sam- them into this scene? I would personally, but I don't know if like you know there are sticklers that would take issue with that. Is what I'm trying to get at.
1: Yeah. But
2: um, I put them apart because I think Discharges, you know, and no disrespect to any of these other groups, I just think they're so much stronger musically. So I always tend to associate them a little differently, at least sonically. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, to me, you're dealing with nuance. It's kind of it's, it might not be the exact same thing as something like Crass, but it's I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. It has the same intent in a lot of ways. So for me, I don't differentiate, but I don't really care about that, like that nuance of saying what is or what isn't anarcho-punk. I don't really care. But I don't know. Do you have another opinion on that? <laughs> uh, no. Well, no, I, 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 once again, don't really have a
0: horse in this race at all as well. So yeah. I I'm just, I'm, I'm more interested in people. I kind of like think of the era and of, you know, the aesthetic vibe. Like maybe they didn't, they weren't, they like, certainly weren't a crass band, but. Yeah. You know, like, the the idea that uh, that Anarcho was just those crass bands. You
1: know.
2: Yeah, like, I, I tend to think a little differently of them and say conflict than I do with some of the other ones. But um, they're all interrelated from what I'm aware mm. of. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're kind of splitting hairs, I guess, is what I'm trying to... Not you, but yeah, people who even- are that worried about it, I don't really see the necessity of splitting hairs about it. But uh, maybe it's because I, you know, don't know enough about that era. Who knows? Yep, I was going to say next
0: subhumans, a band from England that I've softened my opinion on. I used to be very mil- militantly Canadian <laughs> subhumans only. Yeah, um,
2: but I don't know. How about you, Chris? What are your, what are your thoughts on the uh, English subhumans? You know, what? I've never really gotten into the English subhumans for almost the reasons exactly to yours. Not uh, not not a, not a uh, wasn't trying to make an issue of it. I just gotten into the Canadian one. I just never really thought to get into the British one. So I've never really, to be fair, gotten into this group at all.
0: It wasn't but, until uh, I saw
2: them play that it really I hit that turning point where I'm just like, this band
0: is incredible.
2: Cool. Yeah, like I mean I know that their logo, you know, to see the whatever, the aesthetic of this group I'm familiar with, but I've never really gotten into any of the records to be fair. I've probably heard things in passing, but nothing has really jumped at me as far as I can remember at least. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sure like any of this sort of stuff is right up my alley, though. Like, I'm sure if I actually sat down and gave it the time of day, I would be probably into one thing or another pretty heavily. But offhand, I, you know, there's no records that, really, that have really made an impact on me thus far. But, you know, time will tell. Uh, up next on the list, Rudimentary Peni, the void yeah. of the
0: anarcho scene. Yeah. <laughs> the one that <laughs> I don't really like that stuff, but I do like them.
2: You're talking, about, you're talking about them for, for people that are not catching that uh, pun. You're talking about Void as in the band sense of Void, not Void in between bands. No, I'm talking about the Void sense of band, yeah. The Void,
0: you know, like in the same way that people like, who, you know, will be like, Void was the best DC band. People gotcha. will always say Rudimentary peni, not people. Some people will say Rudimentary peni <laughs> was the best anarcho band
2: uh recorded i'm not feeling that but again i, haven't I love heard everything. the records
0: but yeah like i uh i love the records uh the aesthetic is of course is ridiculous yeah and yeah i can definitely see why people think this is like you know an incredible band because <laughs> they are an incredible band in my opinion too uh next up is crass yeah the, the big one the yeah. uh the led zeppelin of anarcho-punk
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes I don't know my view has always been that this is the foundation upon which it's built so I always kind of this is my first and foremost but uh, of that kind of thing but yeah um, I don't know what is what is your I've never really, we've never talked about Crass that much personally you and I what's my favorite Crass
0: Records release
2: yeah sure uh, the Honey 7 inch
0: <laughs> okay I love that record <laughs> I love, nice. I love uh, Porno Groves. I think that song is fantastic. Um, I, yeah, like, obviously, Crass is is amazing as well. Um, it's, you know, they're like almost one of those bands that I think I didn't, I just ignored for so long just because, to me, they were just a logo. And then when you hear them, you know, like, when I finally heard them around the age of 18, I'm like, oh, this man. And I think I even got into them through the business, doing a cover of Do They oh, Are yeah. Living. Like, I didn't know what they sounded like. We're hearing No Effects joke about them. On uh, yeah. I heard they suck live, and then it wasn't until yeah. I heard uh, Do They Also Live? that that I'm like, Oh, this band's fucking sick! And went back. To, <laughs> you
2: know. They also. That's um, funny. You mentioned that uh, the banter on that No Effects live record because they also talk about Rudimentary Peni, if I'm not mistaken, on that same thing.
0: That's probably why all like hardcore kids always say Rudimentary Peni is the best anarcho band is because every hardcore kid is secret <laughs> pop punk. <laughs> that's an
2: interesting theory, yeah <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, crass great, i mean first first, I guess what I don't know, twelve inch is my my jam, but first seven inch, I love too. I don't know it's it, it's all good, but the earliest stuff, I do think that business cover is superior to the original though, hmm oh, it's a fantastic cover, yeah, um, and then of course, ending
0: the list, chumbo, womba.
2: Yeah, never gotten into Chumbawamba, at least this stuff, enough to really have an opinion of the early stuff. Obviously, we're all familiar with the phenomena that they became, but i would never really gotten greatly into any of the actual punk stuff. Have you?
0: Uh, Yeah, I loved them because, well, not even for the punk stuff. The time I got into them was when they did the split with Noam Chomsky, which is kind of like proto their big breakout. They covered a safety pin stuck in my heart on there, and I I remember really digging that record. Um, as a, you know, when I first heard it, there are been that never, you know, like they obviously signed to a major label and stuff, but they were getting like fucking arrested at award shows. Like they were, like, <laughs> yes. they're like, you know, as far as that stuff goes, pretty fucking cool.
2: Yeah. I, I believe we, we did even chat about this on whatever, some previous footnote yeah, or maybe it's, it's come up where the talk of Chumbawamba and the sort of the realness of Chumbawamba, um, Again, this is one of these groups for whatever reason. Like I'm familiar with by name more than I am actually record uh, recorded. Uh, Apart from obviously, I don't think anyone could have uh, not heard that huge song in the whatever late '90s, I guess it were.
0: Yeah, I'd say tub thumping, "Hey Ma," uh, Gangnam Style. uh, (laughs) I'm trying to think of like the most the songs that everyone's probably like,
2: I don't need to hear that again. It's kind of crazy though that that one of like a song coming from a group like that is that on that level when you think about it. That's that's always the thing that blows my mind. But uh, yeah, interesting group. Definitely have enough cred as far as history to uh, to speak to what you're saying. So yeah, I, I've just never really gotten into that earlier stuff personally. If anyone has any uh, starting points for me or what have you, feel free to write in to the show. I'm more than uh, happy to take recommendations. Mm-hmm. But yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I think they're uh, they're you know I, I I love I love neurosis because of stuff like this because you know that they're all deep heads about
2: punk. Yeah, and, you know I can go on on stuff that they like uh, all day. Yeah, for sure. But we'll throw this up on the Facebook thing so you guys can check it out and all of that. So yeah, thanks for sending it.
0: All right, because we're already burning daylight in this mailbag, yeah. and we're not even we're in the first letter. So let's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we can we can abbreviate here we can jump to uh, the more relative things that sort of pertain to the show if you want i can jump around if you want me to take it and navigate but uh well why don't you go next
0: what's your next one
2: well do you want to get into this week or not the simply saucer tidbit here or do you want to save that for next week possibly uh why don't we get into that this week
0: and save the misfit stuff for next week
2: okay so uh, regular contributor Dave Martin, his, his, column, his column this week. Yep. <laughs> uh, he sent in an interesting uh, capture of the lyrical uh, lyrics from uh, I don't know which one this is. It's a Simply Saucer collection. I cannot remember what it's called. I think it's the Big Collection, like the
0: uh, Cyborgs Revisited.
2: Yeah, it's it's. I believe it's the one that's come out recently. Anyway, um, there's a specific uh, part of a song that he has captured for us, which seems to have. If we're reading into it or not, I don't know how serious it is, but a little slight toward Teenage Head if we're reading it correctly. Um, now, Damien, you've read this too, I assume. Yes. And so uh, basically, I, I think what Dave was writing into you and I about was the idea of was there uh, a historical beef, at least even something that we'd ever been aware of between these two groups. I had not heard of anything up till this point. But I'm not sure about you, because you would definitely know more than me in this respect. Yeah, like "She's a Dog" is their punk seven-inch, which came out
0: uh, was their only record released kind of around there around, and then posthumously these recording or this is this rec- recordings sorry, their their famous recordings came out. This sounds like it's a recording from described here from 1988, and its cover and the song is called "Rock and Roll Droog. And it is, you know, it says here, it's basically the story of Simply Saucer put to music. Um, And, you know, it's Edgar from Simply Saucer performing it. And there is like a line here. I believe this is the verse, right? In question. Yeah. Released a record called She's a Dog. The record critics loved it. Teenage heads looked down
2: their noses. Everything was smelling roses. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Which not incredibly scathing, but interesting in hindsight. Well, I
0: remember hearing that people in the punk scene didn't really like that record. You know? And, sure and, and talking to other people, like, they were just like, yeah, it, w- it wasn't one of the ones. Gotcha. You know, I, I, I have that single. I love it, but I could see, I don't think it's the best Simply Saucer stuff. Like, I think they definitely were more, the, the stuff early on is more interesting. The stuff they did later on is more interesting. Like, I think that was almost like, it seemed like it was a genre exercise.
2: Yeah, I think um, it, it, I think you just summed it up probably the way it it, it is best. Like the idea of it being sort of uh, a reaction to what they were doing at the time, rather than some sort of like actual gigantic rift between the two groups or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that sounds more more accurate to me. But I just thought it was interesting because I'd never thought about anything on that level. Um,
0: but well, there definitely were sense. bands' beefs back then, right? Like Teenage Head, oh, and like you know, there was. There was like little nothing really over the top. Like I guess the worst was uh, the Ugly versus Thin Lizzie.
2: <laughs> that was I don't know that one. What was the there was a story.
0: there's a uh, infamous fight described that had, took place at the crash and burn between Phil uh, Lineup from uh, Thin Lizzie and Mike Nightmare from the Ugly. Wow. Is that in Treat Me Like Dirt? Yeah, it's all discussed in Treat Me Like Dirt. Treat Me Like Dirt also really discusses this teenage head, Simply Saucers, whole scene as well. And it's a book
2: by uh, a woman
0: named Liz Worth, and I strongly recommend you pick it up.
2: Yeah, it is good. I don't remember – I don't know if I didn't finish it to get to that point or what have you that came up, that story you just mentioned. But yeah, it is a cool book. I've read a bit of it. Well, it's so
0: dense, right? Like there's just like so much
2: stuff in it that I imagine by the end of it you're just like – What was that part? What was that part? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. But either way, uh, great little um, talking point there from Dave, as usual. And uh, there was a profound question, actually, that I didn't throw in here, but I don't know if you ended up reading it, because we have correspondence with these gentlemen behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, They had put out, and I haven't had time to really delve it, but I think it's perfect for this show. Best Canadian LP of all time was the... Was the what? What are our thoughts on that? And I, I still don't know if I can answer that properly. I feel like I need to take like some serious time. Like any genre, it seems to be in any genre. But I think if we were it's like doing it, the idea, what's the best
0: American record of all time or
2: the best British record of all time? <laughs> it's like ridiculous. It
0: was, Drake, it was Views from up, the Six,
2: that's the winner. It was. Br- <laughs> it was brought up in re- in regards to uh, I believe Dave mentioned that Force Exposure called that Simply Saucer LP, the original LP the best Canadian record. I'm guessing in reference to more, whatever punk, well, even though that's more of a psych record, I guess, but
0: yeah, um, like
2: I don't know. So the it... idea was, what, what I don't know which I'm still, uh, undecided for the Daves out there or Dave Martin specifically, but yeah, like if I was going to uh, pick
0: punk record, you know, punk LP, I, I probably pick, uh, that, um, subhumans LP.
2: Yeah. The LP part of the punk thing is what makes it difficult. I think if you had, uh, you know, non-LPs, it would be a little harder, or a little easier, pardon me, to pick, like, the raging ones first. But, yeah, LP's difficult, because the Subhumans comes to mind, but, you know, I don't know, first Teenage Head comes to mind, of course. Yeah, first Teenage Head record as well. Forgotten Rebels. Uh, But it's just, it's a difficult one. I hadn't, anyway, I think that's a good question. I don't know why I sidebarred on that. So, uh, we'll keep that in mind. (laughs) We'll get to Uh, it. I don't know, I think, like, you know, it's hard to think of the
0: best Canadian record of all time. But yeah, definitely Canadian punk record we can do.
2: Yeah. I think that was the intent, but uh it sort of came up in regards to the Simply Saucer thing, and I believe there was a bit of maybe it was on the back of that Neo Young talk from the other week and things like that. So anyway, um Dave. It's a scare stuff seven is...
0: inch. Oh no, the Board of Education demos. <laughs> yeah. The Board of Education demo, which is called Thank God for Patriarchy. I'm looking at it right now. Really? Yeah. <laughs>
2: amazing i don't have that demo it's funny that you mentioned that getting into jonah stuff right away i tried to buy that off your bandmate uh at a record whatever like a punk rock flea market thing uh two years ago i guess now at Mm -hmm. Chibi Jeebies in toronto and i don't know if she had posted the list in advance uh talking about sandy miranda sorry yes and uh she had Anyway, I tried to get that, and that went so fast, and yeah. I, di- I did not get it.
0: It went to a guy by the name of Damien Abraham.
2: Oh, you got that? Yeah, I, I bought all those that. all those tapes when she put them up. I was like, I will take all of these because <laughs> she had some stuff. And that was oh. the one I want. There was, I think, there were two things I missed out on from that. I can't she, remember had what a, what.
0: she had a five knuckle chuckle demo that I've never seen before. She had some crazy good tapes. Like I got yeah.
2: some, Sandy sold me some amazing tapes that day. Um, yeah.
0: As I sit in front of my tapes right now.
2: Yeah. The um, the Five Knuckle Chuckle was not one that I was looking at getting, but I'm happy well, it. Well, that's because
0: you're a poser,
2: Chris. <laughs> yes. Okay, you take the next message that uh, Okay. Then. It's a brief one. It's in green if you're uh, looking. Not for a listener. That's a production point. Yes. Uh, and this is from Terrence G, and it's about...
0: Shaka Malik and MVP, a little late or right on time for the MVP Zach Blair episode. But I just got home from doing a weekend with Burn and Ashaka about meeting MVP, and he still speaks very highly of him and their meeting, and was an all-around awesome guy, uh, which is amazing. Yeah, like uh, I, you know, that's someone I got to have on this podcast. <laughs> so yeah, oh my God, would I love to talk to him? And I think uh, hopefully we'll make that happen at some point, but yeah like it was funny because I did you know it's funny that, that Terrence sends this in because I I brought this up to MVP this weekend right we're like uh, at, at the live podcast and he kind of talked about the story and every time he tells that story I tear up man I don't
2: know why That's cr- well it's a crazy story it's it's wild that it, I think <laughs> I love that you're sort of inserted in the narrative now too because you sort of uh, reconnected them in a way if not outright so mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You should. You should feel uh, You should feel proud of that.
0: Yeah, like, I don't know. Like I think that's, if, if anything that comes out of this podcast is I hope it gives people that have been uh, you know, distanced in some way from this music or, or this kind of, these bands like, you know, it gives them a way back in in some way. Or not even a way back in, but just an ability to reconnect with people they've lost touch with. You know, like MVP says he got to connect with Shock again. He's also gotten to check reconnect with Zach now kind of both through this podcast. So, you know, that's like, uh, that's that's reward enough for all the late nights, Chris and all the hard work. (laughs) Agreed. Yes. Um, but yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. That's, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that the fact that, you know, that, that it it is, I don't know. I just like, that's something I found so cool. Like that story, of course if you haven't listened to those episodes, both the MVP episodes are completely essential. Both of the Zach Blair episodes are also completely essential. But MVP has a story where he gets out of prison and goes to the warp tour, scenes Orange Nine Millimeter, which is of course the post-burn band, and uh afterwards uh talks Shaka about how much Orange Nine Millimeter song failure uh was something he was into when he was in prison, and then Shaka takes him backstage and ends up introducing him to everyone and just like you know, helping him out, connecting with the bad brains at a certain point, too, and just, you know, just being there as a support person for uh, someone who, you know, that really meant a lot to and obviously really affected. And also someone that, you know, like that, you know, that positive support and plus his efforts, obviously, led to an unbelievable success story.
2: Yeah, it is wild. That's the part of it that I think that's the craziest is that these people knew each other or what have you or ran into each other at certain points of time, yet when they reconnected, they were successful in their own merits, like doing their own things. That's what, to me, I think is the most endearing part of that story, but yeah.
0: Yeah, like I think, I, I don't know, I find that, you know, that's the that's the weird cosmic part about it, that all these, like, MVP met all these people before he went on to become, you know, like a a, a legit, really famous wrestler. You know, like one of the most, you know, like people came up to him and get photos, you know, like it's, it's like he's, he was, you know, very popular in that world and, and, and still continues to be very popular in that world. So, you know, it's, it's neat to know that he has, you know, like the, uh, these kind of connections to this world too. Yeah, for sure, man. Cool. Um,
2: all right. Next email, Dave. So the next email uh, is, we have a long one regarding the uh, the Dave Brocky thing, if you want to read through that real quick, or do you want to shelf that for another week?
0: Why not we shelf that
2: for another week,
0: and we'll do that next right. week, because I, I do think that you and me, buddy, is going to <laughs> go long. Okay. All right, next email, uh Chris.
2: Yes, uh, it's regarding the Sex Pistols in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from Kurt. Uh, during a re- recent Footnotes episode, there was a brief discussion about the Sex Pistols not being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame due to their refusal to accept the invitation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did go over that in 2006. Uh, they were picked to go in. Lydon, John Lydon, of course, Johnny Rotten. <coughs> excuse me, faxed over a note basically telling the Hall of Fame to fuck off and that they weren't going to attend. While the members of the band did not attend the induction ceremony, the band itself was put into the Hall of Fame. So I guess that was the point of writing in here this uh, yeah. to mention that. Similar snubs of the Hall of Fame more recently have been Axel Rose, Richie Blackmore, when their respective bands were inducted, but they chose not to attend the ceremony. And uh, he just mentions real quick, his top five picks from the list were Pearl Jam, The Cars, Craftwork, Journey, Yes. <laughs> And uh, says, keep up the good work. And he wants Steve Albini on, sorry, as well. So work on that, Damien. Well,
0: having had uh, breakfast with him recently, uh, I can tell you, it's, it's going to be a real it'll be a, a real interesting one, that Steve Albini episode, when it does happen. Uh, but he said he was <laughs> down to do it, so nice. we'll get to it eventually. Uh, cool. I'm, I'm shot. Look, a Pearl Jam, best live band caps lock ever.
2: Yeah, I'm not... Uh...
0: Respectfully
2: disagree with that. I I, I
0: disagree too on this one. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
0: Um,
2: but hey, fair enough. (laughs) uh,
0: But you know, like this list, like Pearl Jam, The Cars, Craftwork, Journey, yes, that's like that is the ones that will probably get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and that is a list that reflects the 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 booking of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame up at this point. But yeah,
2: um, I think uh, that's probably
0: pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah, it's not not necessarily what I like. Yes, agreed. Um, Likewise, and, and it, it had like you know, and that's like I like you know, I don't, and I don't think anyone deserves or not deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because I just think it's like such a silly institution.
2: Yeah, agreed.
0: It's like the Art Hall of
2: Fame. <laughs> yeah, true. When you say it that way, it sounds really. It just, it's just so
0: weird. Like it just seems like it, it just you know, and I and I guess we have to give stuff awards, but like. What 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 is like legitimately one of your
2: favorite movies that won an Oscar for best picture? Ooh, I'm sure there is one. i am off the top of my head I can't think of something in recent years.
0: Yeah, like I mean, uh, I don't think the Wizard of Oz even won. I think it was like Gone with the Wind one that year.
2: I think what you're what you're more pointing out though is cuz I do think there are great some real great movies that have won, but it's there's a there's a great amount of movies that uh, Well, did- you know what? You know what? Let's let's look.
0: You know, now I feel this is like throwing down the gauntlet to get us distracted. But I think we could go through like best picture Oscars from all time. And
2: uh, <laughs> for the listening audience, I just tried to segue off this, and Damian pulled us right. <laughs> now. Just so. Well, you knows. threw
0: down the gauntlet. You're like, there's been some good movies that have won, and I'm like, you know, maybe <laughs> so blaming
2: me for this now. Okay.
0: Maybe Chris, there's been some good movies that have won. But all right,
2: well. Let's 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 go there then. Let's go Uh, at least recent years.
0: Okay, well, like, what year do we start? Because like, um, all quiet on the Western (laughs) Front in Uh, (laughs) nineteen thirty. Starting that far back, okay. (laughs) Grand Hotel. I would say Grand Hotel uh, is is amazing. Uh, It happened one night. Uh, The Great Siegfried. Gone with the Wind. See, Gone with the Wind beat Wizard of Oz, right? So, okay. So that would have been the one I would have liked that year. So that didn't win. Uh, Rebecca is a good movie. How Green Was My Valley. You know, like the Castle Blanca. Okay, Castle Blanca, I guess. Uh, <laughs> this is really boring.
2: A lot, yeah. of, a lot of really
0: boring <laughs> movies have won this thing, Chris. <laughs> and like there are some good movies but like I'm saying legitimately one of your favorite movies that won this are you seeing one West Side Story that's, that's a uh, good movie
2: yeah like I, I'm like I don't know it's fine it's not a movie I like die over uh, I'm trying to find a list here Midnight Cowboy oh French Connection Godfather yeah you're right because there's
0: some good movies that won Oscars yeah
2: there's tons of good movies that's what I'm like what are you like where are you going uh, was, with this I was
0: hoping I was, I'm just thinking of the last few years you know I'm thinking like like last... Even last,
2: well, I guess I don't know. No country was probably the last real one yeah, that I thought was amazing. That was a good movie. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch. There's always there's always like every few I don't years think at least movie's like some...
0: Hurt, Do- Hurt Locker or The King's Speech or uh, The yeah. Departed or Crash or Yeah, the know, wrong
2: crash. Yeah,
0: the wrong crash. The wrong crash.
2: Not the Cronenberg crash Not for Cronenberg movie nuts movie out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right, though. There are a lot a of that I wouldn't have chosen. Mind. Yeah, like all the yeah. Ron Howard stuff. Not having that. Gladiator, Before, Chris. Fucking Gladiator. <laughs> you know what, though? Forrest Gump won, and that is a great movie. But um, like, look what it beat that year. Well, for the listeners, if they're very interested, Pulp Fiction. Yes, of course. Like, that's the <laughs> one, right? And, uh, yeah, like, Ed Wood. There's a lot of other movies I would have chosen, yeah, for sure. Over. Uh, Pulp um, Fiction was 100% that year for me. Yeah, well, I don't know how you couldn't. Bullets Over Broadway is another good one. That was a great movie. Um, but, yeah, anyway, this is going down a real dark yeah, path this is a real listener. weird one. <laughs> the, for the people that don't know, Damien is a giant cinephile no, as well. And no, no,
0: I... I, I misguidedly majored in cinema in school. And <laughs> yes. have lived to regret it. <laughs> and
2: so, apparently but, don't remember very much from my time there either. But what I'm trying to say is that we could go at length on this topic as well, really. And uh A platoon's so pretty we, good too. <laughs> <laughs> as you're as you're now finding out, listener, uh, yeah, we could talk at length about this too. Um but that was it for the messages at least uh this week do you want to delve into your bandmates episode
0: let's let's dissect jonah falco in a way that uh, i normally <laughs> only do uh after a show when i analyze his drum playing and give him my notes because i like to give everyone <laughs> fucked up notes at the end of the night about their performance you,
2: i hope you're being facetious because i think that's hilarious if
0: you really do that Can you imagine if i did that that would be so sick <laughs> before we go everyone gather around I got some things we got to hit
2: um, if you did that I would be unbelievably amused to see that happen
0: um, yeah yeah no that is uh, that would be my my dream I think Joan is the only person in the band that would listen to me do it though and, and, and react like okay well yeah no I'm gonna work on that Damien okay yeah sure okay hmm Good point. (laughs) Fair enough. Taken. Well taken. And I'll work on
2: that. No, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if even Jonah would be, would be down with that.
0: Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, the Jonah Falco episode, I guess, Chris, first of all, what were your general impressions of this episode?
2: I was anticipating at the moment you said you had recorded it. Um, I'm a big fan of Jonah as a human being. So uh, I was curious to hear the, uh, (laughs) <laughs> the tales the early tales is what i was most curious to hear and it delivered uh handsomely i feel um yeah i don't know it, it's just you know anyone who knows jonah it i think is pretty happy with this episode it, i think he you know it's it's him <laughs> you can't yeah. uh it's the episode is very him and i know that's kind of an obvious statement to make but for people that know jonah i think it's uh i don't know it's a very endearing episode I thought all the <laughs> there's <laughs> someone who wrote in as we have here highlighted. If it's not in this, it's another one. I think it was maybe even Dave Martin. But the, well, how long had he been hiding the the band? Like, how long was he making <sighs> excuses? Remember when that changed? Oh, yeah. I thought it was up in the world. I didn't bring it up on this
0: episode because Jonah doesn't really like to talk about it that much. And I'm not going to go okay. too into detail. But there's like yeah. a famous moment where he does finally tell his dad. <laughs> I don't know if he told him <laughs> <it>. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah's dad saw the Eye when we were on the cover of I. And That's right. It didn't say fuck which. For you. the
2: listeners, is a local. Uh, it was Toronto yeah. only or national?
0: It was Toronto only back then, but it was like okay. our, our one of our weeklies.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, and Jonah's dad saw him on me on the cover of I and Sandy, because we were on the cover of I. The whole band was, and it didn't say fucked up. I don't think. Uh, and he picked it up and read it. And then that's how he found out that Jonah was in a band called Fucked Up. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I might be misremembering this was like, a few of the little details, was, but I'm pretty sure that was the story.
2: But that was, I want to say that was like at least Hidden World. Hidden World, yeah, it was definitely Hidden World. So you got to figure, like, you guys were a band for how long by that point? Five years, right? Five yeah, it years. was easy. Yeah, so for listeners, like, the, the this sort of uh, <laughs> the charade of... Of not telling, <laughs> it went on a very long time. It wasn't like a year; it was a long no. time.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he he kept it. He kept it. He had to keep it up. <laughs> um, nice.
2: Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how I came to that so quickly, but uh, no, yeah, it, that was very amusing.
0: It was. I remember. I'm also like. I think I bring this up in the episode, but I remember we were away somewhere, and <laughs> for a weekend of shows, and he had to call his parents and be like, "Yeah, I'm going to stay at Jesse's cottage for another day." Because we can stay on tour for another day.
2: <laughs> what? Um, I guess uh, I have a question for you. Is there anything that you learned that you didn't know from this episode? I don't think so. Like, definitely
0: the Doc Martin boot story or the boot story. I never That's heard. Amazing.
2: Yeah, like I never heard
0: that. Uh, I don't think I knew about Jonah's uncle getting in the Black Flag CDs through a connect. I definitely. That's all. Yeah. I forgot that the uh, Jonah had that weird ass band with uh, Steve Perry and Callahan and and, um, Farkas and they actually recorded and I don't know if I knew that they ever recorded
2: what was that called again Did they actually have a name or was was
0: that the Saint Natras not the Saint Natras Um, I think he says what they're oh the ice cream
2: men oh that's right okay yeah yeah but that's never really like no one has that right Jonah
0: has it he said there was a recording of it somewhere at his house okay
2: yeah, but it's never, I don't even think they did a demo or anything. It was just no, like a... one-off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't aware of that one either, but I just assumed that was sort of the, uh, I don't know, the pre-career suicide or whatever, board of education kind of thing, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, that, that uh, I think that was post, it was definitely post-career uh, suicide starting, I guess, or would have been right around the same time as career suicide starting. Yeah. Um there was also do you remember the band the Turkey Necks? No, I think it was Martin Farkas and Mark pesci that was post career suicide as well. Huh. Like, well into it. I think it was like uh you know three or four years into career suicide. But they weren't bad, they were pretty good
2: yeah i don't know uh I don't know that one at all. Did they actually put out a demo either or is it just like uh sort of a band that then became another band?
0: I think they might have recorded something back then, but I don't know if they ever
2: it ever came out. Yeah, because I've never heard tell that demo, even if it if it exists. But I gotta, there's some stuff that slipped through the cracks. But I'm pretty good with knowing a lot of it. Yeah, well, Curse Suicide definitely had, you know, there's there's a lot
0: of documentation of their various recordings. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, I have a lot of them, so we can get through that as we get up through this episode. But yeah, I guess sure. uh, should we start off, uh, Dave, Dave, our good friend Dave. Ackerman has sent in some points about this episode. Uh, and did you want me to get, do you want to ask me these questions and I can answer them as best I can?
2: <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. I want to know more about these canoe trips, Dave writes in. Is he alone or with a group? <laughs> I think he was with a You No, I know he was with a group. Yeah, I believe he says it in the episode, but that,
0: <laughs> But I wonder if you could drop Jonas off Survivor Man style and he would survive.
2: I was shocked by this news. I really was. Like I, ne- I just never saw any of you, frankly, as as someone who wasn't like like completely urban bound in every respect. No, Jonah's so definitely like a uh, mountain man. Is he for real? That's funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. <laughs> I knew nothing of this uh, this side of Jonah's existence. So I'm. I was <laughs> very very surprised to learn it. But yeah, if anybody. The two people in your group, I think, that would surprise me least to be like uh, Survivor Man skilled, from my little recollection, would be probably him or Josh. But um, I think the rest of you would die very quickly. I think maybe Mike would do okay, too. But I think you and Sandy and, and Ben might die very quickly in the well, wilderness. Why would I be in the wilderness?
0: That would be my first question.
2: <laughs> like, why, why am I here?
0: I would not put myself in this situation.
1: <laughs> yes. Um,
0: uh, I think Mike would probably die, but of arrogance out there. Uh, <laughs> Josh is only good at surviving on trains.
2: Yeah, that's what that was kind of what I was getting at. I, I know he's roughed it at times, but he's roughed it. Um, but it's not like he's going to be able to start a fire
0: with sticks, buddy. <laughs> okay, Jonah, Jonah's me. the only one. I kind of think if you went and dropped Jonah in the in the forest, he would come out. He'd also have a band for me. Like <laughs> this is the band I formed with this group of chipmunks. And a squirrel on, on bass.
2: Well played, yeah. Uh, and he'd whittled a pair of drums out yeah, of, uh, you know, driftwood. A yeah. whole
0: set of instruments for them.
2: Uh. <laughs> nice. But yeah, the next point Dave wrote here, if we're not if we're done with the canoe bit. <laughs> yes, we are. Is uh, He'd like to mention of the giant bag of cocaine at the practice studio. Now, I feel that this will probably unearth perhaps another... Or at least one <laughs> other uh, sketchy era story from that particular institution that you may have oh been Oh my God!
0: Well, you, did you ever practice there? Did we practice? I never did. I thought no. we did for that one Bergenfield Four show
2: that we played with Cancer. Oh, Brothers. you are sorry. You are correct. I have, and I had, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, you are right. You know Once. who did that
0: show, uh, by the way?
2: Which one? The
0: that Cancer Bat show that we played? No. Which Chris, who? Chris Slorak. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, he brought it up to me this weekend. He's like, do you remember that time we did a show for you? Was that the band I did? We were talking about Millennial Rain. And I'm like... Yeah, yeah. No, that was Birding Field 4, but holy shit, you did that show.
2: Wow. I, yeah. I wasn't aware. It's funny, too, because I, I, like... Again, I've never really... I've, I've encountered Chris a few times, and uh, sort of, like, to see each other, I'm sure we would, like, know each other in that sense, but I don't really ever... I've had never, like, no real actual... Uh, you know, bro You're not time. calling right each
0: now. other on the phone type thing.
2: Exactly, yeah. So, and we've been at like a wedding together, things like that too. But, um, but yeah, like, so I knew him enough in that era. I don't remember that, but that's cool. Yeah. It's funny how, like, like I forget, like, I don't even remember much about that show, to be honest, entirely. I think we just played and then we had to leave, right? Yeah. Uh, it was the strange, it, it was, was just weird. weird. It was the, Elma, the only time I've ever played the Elmo combo either. It's also the only time I've played in a band where I
0: like open my eyes and I'm like, there's like a million flashbulbs going off, but they're all on one side of the stage of our <laughs> guitar player.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: I'm not touching that one. Yeah. it was, it was like definitely the height of like, you know, and I'm George would I'm sure you know say this too, but it was like the height of like, Alex on fire as a pop band, like not pop band in the music they were doing, but like pop stardom,
2: type. Yeah, yeah. I think you're correct. He hadn't really um, – that was the first – because he's, he's in a group now called mm-hmm. Dead Tired. But the mm-hmm. uh, at the time, you're right. I don't think he had done – as far as I remember anyway, yeah, that was probably the only other group to Alexis at that time. Well, it was, so there was yeah, also it would, like
0: one of the 300 different lineups for uh, Black Lungs too that he was doing back then.
2: Oh, sorry. You're right. That's correct. But that was still sort of featuring another member of that same yeah, group, yeah, so that yeah. drew the same uh, whatever attention. Yeah. But yeah, it was anyway. it was a
0: fun show. And uh, but uh, yeah, so that practice space was by far the sketchiest practice space I've ever been in. It, I think it's still around in a different location, and I think it you know it's, I know it's definitely under a different management, so it's not like it was then. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, like I, three people died the time we we're throughout the time we were practicing there. Three people were murdered in that building.
2: I always remember. Uh, I don't know if you still have it hanging in your home, but you had yeah. it hanging in an apartment. Mm-hmm. It was the. It was a memorial for one of the people who died there, right? That was on the wall or something.
0: Yeah, like when they moved one of the practice bases, it was left there, it was like this yeah. memorial for the drummer of a Black Metal band. Uh, yeah, was, and
2: it lo- it looked insane because it's actually like. If I'm not mistaken, it's a photocopied, like, flyer thing, yeah. isn't it? It's not a yeah. flyer, but it's like a... It's like you know, it's a photocopied
0: piece of paper okay, uh, with, yeah. like, um, some memorial-type things written on it. And it was framed. And he, apparently he was killed in that practice space. Which is
2: crazy. But yeah. it looks like... like um, in, the, But I mean in the practice space where that... that it Yeah, hang. yeah. Yeah. That's insane. Um, that is... I remember hearing these stories, but I never... Um, I still find them hard to believe. Well, there's someone that was also <laughs> but, murdered in an after-hours party,
0: and then there was uh, uh, a third person who was murdered in that building as well. It's
2: it's crazy. Yeah, like um, I do find it very uh, fitting that this somehow was because that that's the first space that I remember people talking about in regards to sort of the the generation of bands like Fucked Up. I mean, I could be wrong. There's probably maybe another place or two as well, but. I remember reading about Cactus from people like on message boards, whatever, like mm-hmm. talking about stuff ages mm-hmm. ago. And uh, it's kind of fitting that there's this weird CD element as, as is typically associated with certain generations of punk as it uh, starts or whatever, because it's usually in the dark corners of the city or what have you. Well,
0: that aforementioned after- so- article with us on the cover of iMagazine, uh, where the cover was shot at Cactus Studios. And I remember the photographer walking in and like the all like the various people that had come from i cuz it was a big like local weekly right so they had some budget so there was a lot of people there to shoot this thing and they could not fucking believe how disgusting that place was <laughs> they were just like <laughs> oh my god like there were <laughs> they, they were like there were cockroaches right like running around and stuff like that like it was oh, not, yeah. it was it was you know not
2: it wasn't the rock and roll uh
0: dreams come true type practice
2: space no not at all oh. but it's funny in hindsight as far as like you know whatever what what quote unquote like a punk band is used to i didn't find it awful no myself
0: no not but. at all like we you know we practice there every week
2: yeah um
0: it's it's also you know like that was the first time i'd ever gone to a practice space for a band like prior to that it had been you know hoping that your friend would have someone who had a cool parent that you could practice at their house
2: yeah, I will say though, um, I always enjoyed because I had various experiences um, recording at one of your practice spaces, and like I, you mentioned that we practiced at that one as well, which i had totally forgotten about. I like the idea of it of of having a practice space, of course, but and I found that those ones always kind of had an interesting. I don't know. I, I found that like jamming in those kind of spots always gave a, a much more interesting experience and sort of made it a better thing. I don't know how to explain this, but. Um, as opposed to, like, the basement of someone's house or something, personally, from my experience. Yeah, I guess you're in a purpose-built space,
0: right? And you're, That's the only reason you're supposed to be there.
2: There's just something, though, about those spots that just, I don't know what it is, puts you in the right frame of mind. They're just, like, very strange, and I don't know. Uh, but uh, I, I have a—I have a weird affinity with that kind of, like... Uh, <laughs> kind of weird weirdness in terms of relating it to music somehow I don't know, I just have fondness for those spots too, I think it's because I've recorded in your, I guess current still, jazz space. I don't know yeah,
0: no, that's our spot, that's the one we share with Mets
2: yeah, yeah, that one like, um, anger so, or suicide yeah, yeah, totally, so anyway yeah, but uh, those stories too. are what's that? I think shit does practice there too I don't know if they do, but I think almost they everyone's did. recorded in that spot
0: yeah a lot of people recorded there too, because Jonah that's Jonah's recording studio. Yeah, more or less. that's Jonah's spot. Um, but yeah, no, it, it is definitely you know like all and it's on the same street where we practice now as Cactus was, but Cactus was like one of those places where you just rented by the hour. and yeah. it had gear, so because we didn't have all the gear at that point, so you could just go up there and rent for the hour and practice your songs and, and use the gear.
2: Yeah, um, nice.
0: Whereas now we have our own practice space that we actually pay rent on, and, and where we practice now, like Sloan practices there, like a little, not in the same room, but like there's a lot of bands that practice in those buildings.
2: Yeah, you've, you've made it. Made it. I'm <laughs> practicing
0: the same general vicinity, but a much smaller room than Sloan. As Sloan.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do we want to get to the next point of Dave's thing yes, here? He let's men- the next one? He just mentions that he wasn't aware that board of education was a power violence group, he knew they were pre-career suicide, but was not aware of that whole thing, I wasn't aware of any of the and I mean, I'm pretty sure, I, oh no, sorry, you scored that demo I have one of those I have the Fuck Jonah demo, but I didn't realize the, like when he's talking about the CDR thing, was the Board of Education thing? or yeah. was was that was Fuck the Board Jonah, of Education,
0: yeah. I remember sitting, because Martin and I used to do this radio show called Mods and Rockers Yeah. and I remember sitting in Martin's car, and he was playing me the uh, Board of Education recordings that they had just done. Yeah. And I, I, don't think, I, I don't think I could help it. I was like, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just not good. But that's the thing about career Suicide, like, the development from Board of Education to where Crew Suicide is now, especially. But even, like, I would say right from, uh, like, some people say from the first 71st first LP, but, like, I think, like... Like quarantine is really where I realized that they were like, Oh, this is like arguably the best band in Toronto. Um, you know, well, with that, I think of that
2: Yeah, I think of that era speaking as an outsider, the two like if I were to think of like the two big songs that seem and from a punk perspective, the two big songs that seem to be like you know, this has arrived, I think you're you're bang on. I think police for you guys and I think quarantine for them. And I, they came out in—I don't know—I'd have to look up the years, dates, whatever. But within the same span, and I remember just thinking, like, you know, this—this this is it. Like, this stuff is arriving properly. And those were the two songs that really jumped out at me from those specificers, which he probably wrote both of. No, who wrote Police? No, Mike wrote Police. Ah, uh, okay, fair enough. I thought he had uh,
0: maybe wrote them both, but either no, way, no, no. I think I'm trying to remember the story on Police. I think it was. I don't know if it was written for Josh and then given to me, because it was really early on that we had that song. I remember we played a show at Kites, and yeah. Mike had gotten cards written out with all the lyrics, and he got our friend Lisa to hold them
2: up. So who? Mike wrote the lyrics to that song, too? I thought yep. you did. No, no, no. Mike wrote the lyrics. Wow. Yeah. I, all these years of that, you did. That's funny. No, Mike
0: wrote them, and it, it's meant to be written like a Rude kid song.
2: Yeah, yeah, I get it. I totally get it. I just, I still thought I thought that was you. That's funny. Nope, nope. <laughs> I was not was aware of that. Cool. It's a Mike one. Doesn't mention religion go. in it. How could it be me? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Whose Magic Kingdom is the important one? Uh, mine. That is yours. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, you got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on in that song. So, yeah, yeah, well,
0: there's a religion in there too, right? So yeah, you know, there's no religion in police.
2: <laughs> but the shitty band Police, I thought totally would have been a Your Line. That's funny. No, that's Mike, a Mike one. Wow.
0: Yeah. Nice. I know. Mike, Mike you know,
2: he, he's got those
0: lyrics. You know, <laughs> you know, Mike used to be a lead singer of a band. <laughs> Fair enough. You know that, right? Where it ends? He I, was a singer, and he used to sing like Zoli Teglis from Ignite.
2: I, yeah, I've, I've seen the, the... You have the snippets on one of the Mixtapes? Do you not? Yeah, I think yeah. the first one. Yeah, I don't have any of that. If a demo exists, but yeah, I've there is I'm a vaguely demo. aware of it. Yeah, I am looking at it right
0: now, Chris. <laughs> Here, let's let's read some lyrics. <laughs>
2: <sighs> oh God! Oh well, buckle up, folks. Buckle up.
0: Yeah, this is okay. Uh, learn. One of these days, I'm gonna get it right. We can stop the fight. Just give me some time. I'll try. I know how important it is to you. I'd like it too. But it's not as easy for me as it is for you. I can't get up in front of a crowd like you. Learn to do it. I'm trying hard. And this one's like, I'm trying hard. Learn to do it. I'm
1: trying hard. Learn to do it. Not standing
0: on your hand by choice. Not standing on your hand by choice. It's hard for me to sing in this band. Wow, this is like actually like really, for a youth crew song, this is yeah. like Drake-level personal. It's introspective, yeah. A high self-esteem is not something I have. It's not my fault. I know if I'll try, we'll make it someday. I feel really fucking shitty now for making fun of this song. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> because this is like, this is like, you know, this is Mike crying out for help all those years ago <laughs> and I didn't hear it Chris
2: uh, I. Uh, you can choose to edit this out if you'd like um, what well, I would why say would I is, edit this out <laughs> what I would say is my laughter is purely based on the contentious relationship you have when around one another and that's why I'm amused by this I
0: think I'm going to bring these Not... lyric sheets into the van next time we go on tour and discuss this with Mike one on one
2: Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> I, I digressed us off the quarantine point that you brought up, but um, we're talking about
0: we're talking about Mike as a lyricist.
2: Yes, Mike is a lyricist, but I mean, some, when you brought up quarantine, I can't remember what you were saying. Oh, they had arrived at quarantine for yeah. suicide.
0: Well, no, I'm saying like the progress from like board of yeah. education to, to quarantine is just in, incredible. Like, I can't think of a single band that's made that kind of like ascent. Like some people would argue that fucked up's pretty first demo is really bad and really rough, but like you haven't heard Border of Education then. I don't yeah, I haven't heard it
2: at all, so I don't know what to do. I didn't mean you, I meant
0: people that said that fucked up's demo is rough, because believe me, nothing's rougher than this. Even that first career suicide demo is pretty like nowhere near where they would kind of become in very short time.
2: I don't think like I don't have the earliest I'm just looking here to see oh, it is on that collection. I have to hear these songs again. I can't remember. I don't have the original of either of the first two demos, but uh, I have to listen to them again. I can't remember these songs. Oh, well, I, I, sorry, go on. Like, the first LP in that 7-inch is what I remember the earliest. I never had the demos. Um, but, yeah, i got to listen to them again. I don't know. I haven't listened to them in a while. So you're saying the first demo is as rough as the fucked up first demo? Oh, it's way rougher. It's like... I, if I remember correctly, Martin doesn't have lyrics for
0: it. He's just, like, like you know, vocalizing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I love that idea. Yeah. Um, I also have in my collection uh, from Mike's thing, I have his practice tape for Career Suicide's Japanese tour with all the songs for their set that they were doing in Japan.
2: Okay. That they would, like, practice... Out and uh, I guess like because Mike was going on that tour. Yeah, I definitely saw him play with them once at Anya's. At yeah, least once. Was, I think that was the pre-show for that tour, right? Like that yeah. was
0: they were getting ready to go.
2: Yeah, and I, I think it was Joan in the episode talks about how he's a good bass player, and I agree he was very good when I saw them. Yeah, like Mike bass. can play. Oh yeah, you know like that's the thing about him. He's he's good at playing. I just think it's interesting though for the people that may have come to some of this stuff a bit later. Probably, I don't know, to a degree maybe can't envision Mike in that group, but he was very good in the group to be honest. So I, I was a fan when I saw them that one time. But yeah.
0: Yeah Mike doesn't Mike Mike's okay with talking about being in cruise suicide. Mike does not like talking about the fact that he was also in scare
2: tactic. <laughs> Which of course you, you bring up readily. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. How can I the, If I don't say it, Chris it'll be forgotten. <laughs> what is the uh, what's the next point here? That do, do you want to talk about the AOD thing that Dave mentions here? Or where, where do we want to go on here?
0: Uh, well, we'll get into that in the episode. Let's just dive in. So why don't all you right. take the first point, Dave? You oh, Chris, c- sorry. God damn it, I'm confused.
2: After all of that, where do you want me to start with this? Holy, where do you want to start? Oh, um, I'm trying to think. We already kind of went over a couple of my favorite parts. I think, I think the highlight of this show for a lot of people is going to be that the cocaine bathroom story is pretty unbelievable, but I'm glad we already touched on that. The um, cocaine bathroom story, and I think also the other one is uh, the, the lengths he would
0: have to go to to uh, trick his parents into thinking that he was going to anywhere but practicing music.
2: Oh, yeah, both are great. I do remember the point now, because I was sending him... Actually, what I should do is just look at notes I was sending him about the episode, but one of them I remember for sure when he's talking about his early... Um, uh whatever his his skinhead fascination so let's yeah. say um when he's talking about you guys mentioned the dropkick murphys and i told him i was going to mention at least on the show that at a minimum that first lp and ep are totally still great and uh well worth backing in terms of uh their their the dropkick murphys that is pardon me um so whatever i can't remember what the first one's called Boys in the docks or that's the ep and then the do or die is the LP, I think. I should probably look this yeah, up. Yeah, do or die is the LP. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I think the LP in specific, like like recording wise to me, is probably like their greatest thing they did. But Didn't, that's what Lars produced, it, right? I don't know who produced it, but it definitely came out in Hellcat. I don't think the first one did, if I remember correctly.
0: I think I thought I thought Lars produced it, but maybe I'm wrong. We'll look it up right now. Yeah. We'll look it up.
2: Um, let's do, let's I like I, I love Al
0: Barr's voice too. Like I think he's one of my favorite vocalists, you know. Like I love the Bruisers so much, so I love
2: when he started singing that band too. Um, yeah. See, like for me, my my general opinion on this. So the first, um, yeah, '97, the first LP came out. Most people, I'm sure, are aware of it. Uh, I like the first single that uh, Al Bar does with them, and it's not that I don't think anything else is good. I just that's kind of my when I checked out, which is. Uh, I think it's called "Curse for a Fallen Soul" from '98. Mm-hmm. I like that, and they do a cover of. Oh no, that's the wrong one. There's another one they do a Clash cover on, which I'm sure you love, uh, <laughs> Damien, But, um, but yeah, so like the next LP that, like the first L Bar LP, isn't bad. I just never got into it.
0: Yeah, like I've always, I've always kind of like been into, like uh, you know, uh, there's a certain point where the stuff they did wasn't, you know, necessarily speaking to me anymore, but like. I still think they're like one of those bands that, you know, like I I love his voice, I love the fact that you have members of the outlets at a certain point with members of uh, Fit for Abuse, with members of the Bruisers. Yep, <laughs> it's like a Voltron, of like my like all different types of bands from Boston, area. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, like and also like my. The hilarity was more Jonah's fashion at the time, more than the Dropkick Murphys as a band.
2: No, of course, yeah, yeah. I I, I knew that. I <laughs> even trying to re- like envision that because you brought up the the Scully what? cap. Yeah, no, there was something like that. He the had Dropkick a Dropkick jacket, jersey, or something. No, he had yeah, Dropkick Murphy's uh, like gas station attendant jacket. Yeah, I remember those. That people had them. I never had any of that, thankfully um not to no disrespect to anyone that did but i remember people having them and just thinking it was kind of silly at the time um but yeah but good band in that era like and for me that's kind of the height of that group but they got much bigger of course but those that first lp is still uh, for people that may have missed it it's de- definitely worth checking out if you're going back um if you're not as moved by the by the newer material that is specifically Mm-hmm. anyway, just just wanted to mention as a point of reference and about I guess stealing the boots is hilarious too like that's pretty much I, did, I would have never expected that to be a Jonah story <laughs> Jonah's got a dark side I've seen it come out on tour <laughs> apparently, so what do you want to jump to now?
0: Uh, I guess for me I'm going to take uh, Toronto Falls in Love with the Swarm oh, okay uh, I remember, you know, when I remember going to Chris Callahan's house for the first time and hearing a swarm tape of the recording and hanging out with Chris. And I like to think that was one of the first Colli fans. <laughs> you know, Which, like, by
2: the way, have you cre- is that a, did you create that? I think it might be a
0: Ewanism. Or it might be a okay. Chrisism too.
2: No, it's probably
0: a Ewanism. <laughs> okay. um, a Colli fan, for those of you who don't, uh, haven't heard that brought up on the show before... Is a fan of Chris Callahan, the lead singer of former lead singer of Cursed, and Burning Love, and The Swarm, and Left for Dead, and Basket Case, and Captain Oblivion, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, but I think Jonah was kind of part of that second wave of Call of fans.
2: Yeah, I think that. Well, I don't. I didn't know you all personally at that point, but that seems correct. was mm-hmm. so, the story, especially, but yeah.
0: Yeah, well I think I've always and I think like that phenomena of the colophon and the rise of the swarm in Toronto to me that's the birth of the wave of punk that is that uh, you know all you and me are both part of that scene that we're both a part of like that that was like what became the southern Ontario scene of our era.
2: That's what I think of. Yeah, I don't know if I would insert myself like you are clearly in the middle of, but, uh, you know, you
0: say that now, but like, keep it up was like, you know, was definitely part of the scene in Toronto. Like, you know, obviously you're not from Toronto and I, I don't want to put it like you're from Toronto because like, you know, you do, it's not like you have to claim it or anything like that. But at the same time, like we're all part of like one scene at that point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I just mean, I'm my only hesitation is that I, I sort of, I feel there's a, and not, Again, I don't know, maybe I'm just being self-deprecating, but I feel there's a certain um, importance to some of the things we're talking about that I wouldn't insert myself in because I see myself as more of a fan of it than someone who was inside of it, so to speak.
0: Buddy, you're inside of it. You and me did a band together. <laughs> we're well, there playing. We're slugging it out, Burnfield 4. <laughs> Either way. We're both, um, we're both trying to shield our eyes from the flashes that they captured George in all his glory on
2: stage. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny Back uh, on a t- mini sidebar something I just thought about you're saying that Jonah was like second generation call of fan or whatever I believe I have a memory of seeing I believe it was Jonah I mean I'm hoping anyway I remember seeing Ruination I don't know what year it would have been it was at the Elma Combo upstairs uh, I'm trying to think because Jamie was in the band by that point so it would have been near the very end of, I believe, whatever they were doing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I recall, I think I, I have a memory and I could swear, I don't know if I'm just inserting this in my mind because I know these people now and I'm like making this fictional thing I'm remembering, but I could swear that I recall Jonah like raging for Ruination. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, definitely, but, 100%. Because Jonah is a very memorable looking human being and yeah. was in those, those years as well. And... Uh, I believe I remember him like stage diving a bunch and things of that nature and I recall some other people of that show too but um, who at the time I didn't know personally. Um, but yeah so it's funny you mentioned that I never thought about yeah Jonah being like the like the Callahan guy either early on but yeah I do have sort of a memory of that at least that show um, that I remember. I mean again of course that's post swarm but um mm-hmm. I was at that Swarm show, I assume you were too probably The one that he mentions in the episode The H2O Madball Swarm I think it was Yeah, I think I was at that show There were a couple of Swarm shows I missed because I was in England
0: that Oh, that's for, right for, But I, yeah, that I one... came back in for the last show And there was definitely a bunch of stuff I saw around that But I didn't see as much of when they had that Andy Demps lineup Towards the very end
2: yeah, I only saw them... I mean, I know they played... I remember the era they were playing, but the only time I caught them was at that Elmo gig that one time. I never caught any of like, the really great Swarm shows that people talked about. They were good that night, but um, like the other the other times they played that they kind of got the rep for. I think, again, I pretty much kind of caught them at the end. And then I think... Did, did Was there any overlap between the Swarm and Ruination at all, or had the Swarm completely... Uh,
0: I don't... I think like Ruination was just practicing... Maybe
2: yeah, when
0: well, the swarm started kind of imploding.
2: Yeah, because I'm kind of amazed. I was I like I don't really know how. Like I caught the swarm going to see like that Madball show. I didn't know a great deal about them, but they were good. But mm-hmm. um, I just find it funny though that I caught those two bands when I did because much like Jonah, I I missed Left for Dead even though I was very adjacent to all that. Um, but it was a little wasn't ahead of my time in a way, but it was just like. The time when they were playing, like they even played my area way back when, once, which is a show I wish I was at. Um, Left for Dead, I'm speaking of. Yeah. So, but yeah, like it's just so the kind of I guess my entry point was around that same. I guess Jonah was a little earlier because he was catching it sort of in the city when the swarm thing was popping off. But I was around the same time catching those bands. Did at the that swarm time. ever play in Not that I'm aware of. Left for Dead did weirdly. They played this. Uh, now defunct uh, vintage like clothing shop head shop place that was kind of infamous in St. Catharines, okay. and I didn't know anything about this. It was uh, years later I spoke to Callahan about it, and he mentioned that they'd played there. But uh, I, they, and this place had sort of been known for doing like indie rock shows at the height of all that, and like the whatever the early to mid '90s. And they mm-hmm. somehow got I don't know if they were on an indie rock show or whatever it was because I couldn't imagine that going over very well, but. Um, Anyway, yeah. So I, I kind of missed, unfortunately, missed that first round of, of like Left for Dead. But um, so my entry point is similar to Jonas. I related very much when he was kind of talking about all that stuff. Yeah, regarding that, the Coleman thing.
0: Yeah, that was like you know, it, the Swarm were the band that when that came out, that was the first band that from Toronto of my era because they all moved to Toronto, so they were all living downtown by that point. That like you could be like, this is the band I'm gonna brag about. Like I remember going to the Gilman and I had a tape of uh, the recording that I got from Chris of the first Swarm 7, the 10-inch, I guess. I remember, like, wanting, trying to play it for people in bands down there, like, (laughs) trying to play it for Max Ward and and trying to play it for, like, Davey Havoc. My God, I was a fucking Punisher, Chris. (laughs) Could you imagine that? Yeah, I can, because I've definitely been like, hey, I want you to check out this band from my hometown. Like, listen here, here are my earbuds. Put them in your ears.
2: <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> but you know, the irony is that the that that probably would have went over much better than you would have expected based on it being swarm and, and Chris related. But I don't think anyone um, knew
0: then, though, because it was that was pre the ascension of Chris Callahan to becoming, and not that these people would even know now necessarily, but like I, I'm sure they would now. But like this was like pre Chris becoming that guy.
2: Yeah. I, I get that. I just mean, it's funny in hindsight that that would have been a group that people would come to know. So I guarantee yeah. that they ended up knowing who say cursed was oh, yeah. like that. So yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, now
0: Chris plays, both of them play both Davey Havoc and Chris Callhan play in uh celebrity straight bands <laughs> as you've dubbed it. Yes. <laughs> you need to get in one Chris. No, I'm okay. Come on. If you're out there, put Chris in your celebrity straight band, someone,
2: <laughs> I'm okay. I'll, I would. Uh, there's probably a few type of lineups that would sway me to do something like that, but I just, I don't know. I don't need to uh, be in any bands, I don't think. Okay, what if it was a band, Chris, with X Good
0: Clean Fun, X... <laughs> yeah. Actually, Casey was X Good Clean Fun, so I would definitely do a band with Casey, but would be a strange band unfortunately exactly that's what i mean like yeah. like it's paths have changed <laughs> yeah so, so what can and you do and i've accepted it who's going to accept. <laughs> oh let's judge
2: anyway what did, i don't remember if that was you were talking you you brought up the callahan thing i'm going to do you want me to take the next one here What do we take where are we going on uh why don't you take the next one all right uh the Two Fingers story is funny, with the tennis ball, thought that was pretty hilarious. Uh, the lengths at which Jonah went to to be a punker is uh, <laughs> commendable, and the fact that he was sharing that story, that was funny. Do you think he would have shared that without a regular interview, or you think that's because you were doing the interview that, that it got that kind of in-depth? I, I
0: don't know. Like, it's, it's kind of hard to say. Jonah is very forthcoming, but I think, like, uh, you know, just... And I'm not tuning my own horn with this at all because it. I think it's just thanks to this format, you know. Like everyone I've kind of had on, just, it just you just wind up triggering memories. Yeah. The way this show forces you to remember things, so I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, Jonah. Would you know? I I I'd like to think it's because it was just me, but who knows? Maybe Jonah has said some embarrassing things in other interviews. So <laughs> you might have shared that uh, little uh, self-deprecating tidbit.
2: Oh, that's
0: great. So great. Um, and I've also seen other people that we're friends with from that time period. Uh, maybe a little bit later for Jonah More we're talking about that Dropkick Murphys period. And it's amazing yeah. how similar they dressed to
2: Jonah. <laughs> yeah, I think, though, that was there was a lot that was in the uh, the ether. That was a rec- Yeah, it was like that was kind of the thing, right? Like work shirts and like weird But, like, I remember band merch. Like, bands were selling work shirts more often then. Like, when do you see that now? No, you would not see a band buying, like, a used work shirt and silkscreening it. Yeah, Yeah. like, now, like, then it was, like, that late 90s period. There was, like, a number of bands I saw doing that. And I remember just thinking it was so bizarre. How much do you think Um, a shirt sells for at a concert now, by the way? Ooh. Like act like what? I guess it depends on the concert. Actually, is how you hedge that question. True. Because uh, on a DIY show, as far as I know lately, it still seems to be around the ten fifteen buck mark from like a yeah. like proper DIY bands. But at a bigger gig, I don't know. I, I mean, like when like I thirty five to fifty.
0: Someone's telling me.
2: Ugh, I mean, it could be. The thing that sucks about that is that was sort of. I think there are still bands that try their best to keep it down, but what people don't know behind the scenes is it's because you know bands basically have to get charged to sell stuff so it comes out of the consumer's pocket that's why they're expensive for the most part um but yeah i don't know i don't really go to those i don't well i don't buy much merchandise that way so i don't really know but i think the last shows like bigger ones that i went to that weren't say punk centric that they weren't too bad i think they're about 20 bucks still but yeah it's definitely a big i don't know that's the, that's a dark area for me to even think about nowadays. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, work shirts in the 90s, I don't know what the deal was, but people loved it. And People fucking uh, loved it. I don't – it is weird too because it wasn't just groups that were like – we're not talking about groups that were just trying to be like, I don't know, like uh push the whole like that they were a working class thing. It was just like – it seemed to be like this kitschy – Yeah, it had nothing like, to do with that.
0: Like it was just like a... – a fashion thing, and like it wasn't even a fashion thing because they were so hideous. It was like an yeah, they were. Fashion
2: thing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm curious to think of who spearheaded that because that is just so bizarre. Yeah, like I can't remember
0: who the first band I saw with them was. I remember Sick All had them. Yeah, uh, Bouncing Souls had them.
2: Yeah, just I think I even. Yeah, like that. It was that kind of stuff for sure. All had it, but I think I remember even seeing like some weird like pop punk bands had them too that I wouldn't have associated with that kind of. But Yeah, there was like for a minute there, that that was like a big deal. I don't know what the I don't know what was going on.
0: It probably was a no effects innovation, because no effects is, like truly like when you think about like the shorts and everything. Like they're the band that yeah. pushed like that era of punk and marketing.
2: Yeah, I that could be. I mean that's definitely the era I remember it when they were like sort of at their height. Uh yeah, I don't know. Anyway, just weird. I don't know how we got sidebarred on that. it's, it's probably my fault. It's okay. um, We we we're talking about fashion. We talked about movies. (laughs) Now we got
0: to talk about fashion.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure people who are old enough will remember the scourge of work shirts in punk rock at a certain level. (laughs)
0: Yeah, there was there was a Um, lot of merch stuff that just disappeared from that period, like baseball caps. Every band was making like caps at that point.
2: Well, basketball jerseys being seemingly big for a minute as well. Oh, uh, which. I, I still think probably the only tasteful one I could acknowledge uh are Madden Ball <laughs> to this day. I'm not sure any of the other ones I would back, but uh, that I recall from that era. But um I would like a VOD one. I think that makes sense. <laughs> well, there's some that makes yeah. sense, but I still think like Scarhead makes sense. Scarhead I'm makes s- sense. Assuming they did one. Yeah, you gotta be backing. a hard
0: band to have that kinda like I think even Earth Crisis makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely had them, too, I recall. Oh,
0: yeah. No, I remember seeing, like, being in uh, Buffalo for the Warped Tour that year and just yeah. being blown away by the amount of combat shorts and basketball
2: jerseys. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>, agreed. <laughs> I remember, I believe that was 97 or 98. I was there the same year. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely a thing. Descendants here. That's correct, Yep, yeah. Descendants and, I believe, Mill and Colin and, yeah. The There's year that I
0: punished Carl
2: Alvarez for hours backstage <laughs> with Ewan. Like Ewan how, many, how many stories do you have like that in your life? Like you have a bunch.
0: I got a bunch, <laughs> but like this is like truly the one where I like I think back to it and I'm like, that man has the and I and I brought I saw him this week and I hung out with Carl for an extended period of time this weekend and profusely apologized for how much I must have punished him at that point. <laughs> nice. day. it must have been like unbelievable like how the fuck did these guys get back here
2: yeah I still when you think about that now that's the thing that blows my mind more is being able to like your stories especially like you being able to finagle your way backstage well in it, the degree it very that,
0: rarely happened but when it did happen my god you better believe I tried to take advantage of it as much as I could <laughs> I was like you know I was singing bro him on stage like it would be like I'd make a day of it Chris <laughs> <laughs> I remember being on stage oh, when we had my. one we had like one backstage pass at the warp tour in when they did the one at Mostport in the Speedway. Yeah. And uh, that was very- yeah, so we were trading it around. And I remember being on stage by myself, wearing my knapsack, singing along to Brohim, just being like, I fucking made it. Like, <laughs> and they were like, you know, beside like all the art their bands playing the warp tour that year. Just on stage, just just belting out him with Pennywise playing.
2: <laughs> oh my! What what a memory! What a memory! And then you, you you were meant to be because now you grace the stage, you know, for a living. Now I do get to sh- walk the stage with. Uh,
0: I've had other opportunities to sing "Brohim" and I have not followed through with those yet. So
2: <laughs> I need to. Next time I play with Pennywise, Chris, I promise I will sing "Brohim." Well, there you go. I was going to say it's because you got already got it out of your system. If you hadn't done that before, you would you would take advantage now. i got a
0: couple of woes left in me. <laughs> I'm not throwing it in the shower yet. Yeah. Uh, my big regret you... is I didn't do it when Zoli Taglis was singing for them.
2: For Pennywise? Yeah. When did that happen? I wasn't uh, aware of that. like a whole record. What? When Jim this quit. Is... And then Jim came this back. This is crazy talk to me. I never knew that.
0: Yeah. Yep. No, it's real. It's damn real. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of that at all. It's one of those things, Chris, that you've got to check out now.
2: Not right now, but, like, I mean, in general. <laughs> not right this minute, but right,
0: yes. Not right the second. But, I mean, you have to check that out. All right. You need to take a new point here, because we've digressed again. We have digressed. And I think this will be the end point for the evening. That sure thing. For you, Chris? Yeah. Um, and, oh, my God. There's so much stuff to go to with Jonah. Um, but... Uh, what should we talk about? Um, maybe General you know Chris Harper from, from Rotate. Jeremy, no. You? Okay, he's like no. He's, he's like the he's like the nicest guy in the world. He used to now owns a bar um, called uh, Pharmacy you know down. So shout out to Pharmacy. If I if I drank and was able to go out at night to bars, that would be where I went. <laughs> nice.
2: Um, he also sold me my Amébix Monolith record. <laughs> there you go yeah at least by name i don't i might recognize him from that era a bit but no i don't uh not by name i guess you know what we should talk about because he's going to be on the show eventually well we could talk about Jonas
0: ska bands we could talk about Jonas. uh oh, there's so much amazing stuff to get oh, he had a
2: note about that someone hold on let me see here there was an update he sent me i don't know if he sent me it personally but i saw i was reading something where someone had a moment of clarity on that whole thing oh really um Johnny No New York and the Stink Bombs played one show, he claims. Okay. So they did actually, because I think in the in the interview he claims they did. They play a show, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was at the Elmo with Under the Gun, he says. Yeah, which is the band that he brings up, that that guy Chris Flynn was in. Yeah. And he also mentions that that Darkest Hour gig that comes up in the interview mm-hmm. was at Who's Emma, which I believe he mentions, but it was with Race Trader.
0: Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't even remember if I was at that
2: one. Yep. So that was uh, those were his amendments to the interview that I was speaking to him about. So for listeners, there you go. There you go. Okay.
0: Um, and now, so for the final
2: point, let's talk a little bit of
0: Martin Farkas, shall we, Chris?
2: <laughs> it's funny because I I, lo- I actually sent Jonah a message because when he mentioned that Martin had that victory records windbreaker, yeah. Uh, I love that, but I also said, like, if Martin wore that, like, now, like, this year, it would actually be the coolest vibe ever. Oh, it would be such
0: a sick jacket. Like, I would definitely wear, I don't know if I'd wear a Victory Records jacket and do that. I probably would. It would be, like, it's such a cool, old logo. I remember him wearing that all the time. And, like, what a Uh, random thing to buy. Like, (laughs) I'm going to buy merch to support this (laughs) record label.
2: Like, well, it's funny because it's it's uncharacteristic for the the manner in which I know Martin. So I kind of can't envision it. But now I just think it's like there's an absurdity to it that if he had done it – if he did it like in this day and age right this minute, I would be so amused and would just think it's the coolest thing on the planet.
0: I think it would be slightly cooler if he like wore like a shutdown jacket.
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely if it was like banned would be better. But even that would be hilarious. But I think now – because of sort of what their roster tends to be known for these days, it wouldn't work as well. But just yeah. the idea of it, being that classic sort of victory, whatever late nineties era, I still can't envision him like loving those groups. But um, yeah, amazing. I missed that. I I didn't know Martin in that uh, in those years, so I missed that whole thing. Unfortunately,
0: he has confused early years. Uh,
2: yeah, well, I mean everyone has. My, that, exactly. Like I'm thing I
0: was just as fucking confused. Yeah. Um, I remember him getting so into Charles Bronson, though. And that really is the... And he was, like, more than me, because I definitely didn't talk to Jonah that much. He was, like, the guy that influenced Jonah and pulled him into kind of hardcore and punk.
2: I think that is... uh, And it's kind of crazy we didn't mention that group for whatever reason up until this point of of the episode, whatever. But I think that, for me... um, Again, I was not as on ground floor with this kind of stuff as you guys were at certain points when this came up. Mm -hmm. But when that Charles Bronson stuff came up for me, that was like kind of a sea change group. So uh, in contrast to what you're saying with the whole like victory stuff, which I was definitely interested in, um, the sort of whatever, like the hate breed era, Earth Crisis era, that kind of stuff, the... Bronson stuff was like a weird reaction of court not weird a great reaction in many ways but it uh I think you're correct in saying like that kind of group ushered influence wise in the stuff like a career suicide or bands like that that came after in a very positive way that's the way I view it in hindsight but I don't know what it, what are your feelings on that
0: yeah like I think I think I agree I think like it was you know kind of the 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 zeitgeist for what came next
2: yes and I think, like weirdly, like a lot of people know that band by name. Of course, there's a reputation with Charles Bronson that people know, but I still think it's like weirdly they're not like. I think they were given a lot of credit up to a point, and I feel like in the last like 10 years that somehow has like disappeared. Like I feel there's a like not that they're not given any credit, but I just think like they're not known as being that taste-making band, at least from my perception of the way people now seem to to talk about like. Bands in recent history or contemporary, like, say, like, in the last 10, 15 years. But I think they're a really important one as far as, like, really kind of, I don't know, making people kind of, like, tipped off on, like, I don't know, whatever, better, fast-raging stuff that wasn't really happening.
0: Oh, yeah, like, they they were, like, the first band that gave me a concept of Epifat. You know, <laughs> like, they were, like, the first band. They had that song, I Can't Be Your Friend Because you're, uh, You Like a Band on Epitaph, and then they said, I Can't Be Your Friend Because You're in a Band on Fat. Was yeah the version yeah. of the the lyric sheet that they put out and stuff so yeah. it's it's like you know like they were the first band to kind of do that for me like they're also you know they, they incredibly funny sense of humor like they did <laughs> the dude from uh they put out their demo 7 inch and then they put it out on a record label they they bootleg their demo on a 7 inch and they they did it on a record label that they called privilege cracker records yeah. But they put the address of the lead singer Race Trader's parents' house as the address <laughs> on it. So apparently, like, until a few years ago, he was still getting mail from people in, like, Japan looking to buy the demos of it.
2: <laughs> the, um, but, yeah, exactly what you are talking about. Like, these kind of things, like, reputation-wise were very, very, like, profound to me. So that's what I mean. Like, oh, like that's it... kind of. They seemed like they were funny. They seemed, like, a bit dickish, but it worked. It was reactionary. A lot of the cases, at least from my standpoint, but it was like perfectly reactionary. I don't know. I thought it was they were spot on as far as like vibe in that era for me. Yeah, like that DVD that
0: came out. I think perfectly summed it up. If you have access to a CD-ROM computer type thing, watch that DVD of Charles Bronson where like they shoot the limited record that was going for tons of money back then. It probably still goes for pretty good money. The clear version with the metal sleeve. Yeah. Of their album and they shoot it with a shotgun or yeah. there's that part of it where uh the um uh where it's got the Ebro on Donahue. Or no yes, on on, on right. Springer. On Springer,
2: that's right, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Like the I agree, so I Elbow do you play? <laughs> you brought that do up on the sing? show before, you, yeah. <laughs> you love that. That's my favorite. I'm assuming that's on YouTube nowadays, but <laughs> I, yeah, I <laughs> but... hope so. So, Elbow, do you sing? <laughs> we've digressed off this from Martin Farkas. So you were you were yes. going into the Martin Farkas-Charles uh, Bronson connection. So
0: Well, I just got to like, you know, I remember him getting that record and just, uh, you know, how, how that kind of like changed him. I got that record the same day, and I love that record, but I don't think I took to it in the same way that that Martin did, and then ultimately he influenced Jonah. And Jesse, too, yeah. but Jonah, Jesse right now is is a, a minister.
2: Yeah, I knew he was in the, or I guess not original lineup, or I don't know what lineup you want to say they were, but yeah, he was in like an early side, year, Like MK2,
0: yeah. like a re- legit lineup, MK2, and then probably yeah. MK1 legit lineup. Yeah. And, but then yeah, like it, illegitimate lineup, MK3,
2: 4. <laughs> <laughs> All that was very funny too. For the listeners, I don't know if we we mentioned it too. Like Martin, the Martin we're discussing, of course, is the vocalist of Career suicide. I'm assuming most people know, but yeah, there might Marcus not be people name. out there. Sorry, yeah. In case we didn't, a uh, uh, future mention guest that. too. I've
0: talked to him about coming on. He's like very excited to come on. I think he and I will do a really cool one too because he and I used to also do Mods and Rockers. Sandy, yeah. him, uh, Matt DeLong was at Mods and Rockers for a minute too.
2: Um, that's so funny now that I think of all the, like, when you're mentioning all these people, I don't recall, like, I listen to it on occasion, but I don't recall all this involvement, but that's cool.
0: Yeah, Matt, I tried to, like, when I moved to England, I tried to, like, will it to Matt. Yeah. Like, I just was like, here, start coming into the show, and you'll replace me. And then you think you yeah. came in for, like, two weeks when I was gone, and then just stopped coming in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Amazing yeah. oh boy, yeah. well, what can you do uh not go on a radio show, I guess <laughs> <laughs> so what was your other what was your other points in regards to Martin?
0: uh no, nothing else I' just like you know I think he's you know someone who I think First suicide in general was like a band because they all you know obviously fucked up had to do was doing a lot of stuff, and also Martin had other gigs, and you know the all the inconsistent lineup too probably didn't help. But they're yeah. a band that I think never fully got to reach their potential back then, and so that's why I think they're able to kind of keep doing new exciting things now.
2: Yeah, I think that's perfectly stated. I think the emphasis from my outside view was that yeah, fucked up was kind of the main thing taking off in terms of like touring and whatever. Not not to say Suicide was always doing stuff, but I think like it's and again no. I just feel that that group right now, Chris Suicide, are, are at their most interesting point now. And I think that's really bizarre. For most groups I don't I don't tend to feel that way. I tend to be like an early years kind of thing, but um and perhaps it's cuz I I know I've known people in their lineups throughout, but I don't know. I I more I guess I have a more personal vested interest in this current lineup or something. I don't know, but I just think they're they're really great to watch these days for sure. Um
0: yeah like I think like it's hard to say like the best lineup because you're right. like I'm normally an early days kind of person too, but as we've mentioned, the early days of Career suicide, you know it's kind of like that mid period where they really hit their stride, and it was not live, you know like like there were some amazing live shows yeah that I saw them play, but there were also some like really brutal ones.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, if I will yeah I, I would uh, I would say that's a fair point. There was there was groups that would not, yeah. I think for me, that group, um, because of sort of the blistering nature of a lot of their stuff, it would be messy sometimes because it would just, <laughs> you had to kind of like really, I don't know, whatever, dial it in when you're playing that fast or something. But um, yeah, I've seen a few messy ones. I've seen, mo- you know, every band has that. But um, I just, I don't know. Now it's like this weird force to watch.
0: Well, it also, uh, Martin wouldn't, like, pick people based on skill, necessarily, which is great. But yeah. you wound up with a lot of people that, eh, maybe music wasn't their first thing in various lineups at different times. Some yeah. people definitely were, and, you know, there were definitely consistent periods in that band where they, they finally found their lineups. But now I think, yeah, this is, like, the lineup.
2: For me, it's kind of like watching, um, when you see, like, groups now, like, um... Trying to think of an example. Like it like relating to like, you know, I don't know, like Jay Mask is playing with someone or something, like in some other group. Like those kind of like uh cameo things. It's almost like that's what their lineup feels like to me now. It's like they have these people in the group that seem like they shouldn't be members of the group, but that is the lineup kind of thing. I don't know how to explain it, but um anyway, I really enjoy them live. That's all I'm saying. If you haven't seen them in recent years or at all, make an effort to see them now. I think they're touring a bunch.
0: Yeah, so I guess we'll leave it there for this week's episode with Jonah. Um we've got way more we could talk about and I'm sure we'll go oh, into yeah. future stuff. But if you have any comments about this episode, send them into the mailbag.
2: And, yes, for sure. And how'd they get in touch with that mailbag, Chris? Uh turn punk footnotes at gmail.com.
0: And once again, as always, if you want to get in touch with me, hit me up on various forms of social media at Leftford Damien. Please support this show by writing a review, rating it if you use iTunes on iTunes, or if not, just tell your friends, and you can uh, tell all your friends, and they'll tell their friends, and then they'll tell their friends, and they'll tell their friends. But that's where it ends. Like <laughs> nice. Uh, and then uh, you can also check us out on Facebook, Turn Punk, run by my brother, Tristan Abraham, uh, and uh, you can also check us out over on... Uh, uh, Tumblr, com. and please come out and uh, purchase your tickets because that week in December, coming to the East Coast of the United States, uh, in what will be the uh, the goodbye Obama tour, the sadly goodbye Obama tour. <laughs>
2: yeah, I guess
0: that's framing it that way. Yeah. Maybe he will get. We'll, do you think we'll get him for DC, Chris?
2: <laughs> you interview him? Yeah,
0: sure. Yeah, if anyone has an in with Obama, and can get him to come out to the Black Cat. I'm sure he has some punk uh, past <laughs> connections, stories, you know. Worst of comes to worst, he can do an episode of Oil and Flowers with me because we know he does love cannabis in the past.
2: And <laughs> Maybe he had, like, he went to some sick Naked Ray Gun show way back. Yeah, that would be amazing. He's like,
0: you in a, uh, when was the first time you heard punk? Uh... Probably when I saw effigies <laughs> in a bedroom in a in a college.
2: You really started off, and I was very impressed by that first, like, few moments of that impression. I know, I couldn't keep it up, so I
0: just went into a generic adult impression.
2: <laughs> Wasn't bad. Well, thank you, thank you. Well, I'm
0: not, I'm not really, Jonah is the master of impressions.
2: Yeah, you know. speaking of, yeah. You know,
0: Jonah's like accents. that. <laughs> Jonah is like literally like if you were gonna be like oh what's it what's like Jonah like to to be friends with like it's like the master of disguise movie <laughs> <laughs> like with uh, Dana Carvey yeah. and then if you were to ask him what it's like to be a roommate with me and in a band with me he would probably say Cheech and Chong <laughs> all right. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Jonah is like I think you and me are both in agreement. One of the best human beings on this whole fucking planet.
2: And yes, I'm, I've a been a great admirer for some time. Yeah,
0: yeah. So what? And so yeah, thank you very much. And check out Career Suicide on their new album coming on Deranged Records, and that new seven inch which features myself on the vocals.
2: There you go. Um,
0: they're both fantastic. Alright everyone, we will see you next week Uh, Thank you very much for listening Oh, if you're wondering about Tournament of Death Maybe it's come out now, and if so, watch it Uh, Tournament (laughs) of Death, Bloodlust Bloodlust, Tournament of Death Uh, If not, it's going to be coming out soon My apologies Uh, Just, you know Feels weird putting it out Right now, it's a weird time Weird time (laughs) But, you know, until the end times Chris and I will be here discussing these sweet, sweet podcasts. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time.